Hello and welcome to the Select Sector Spider Sector Digest podcast for the week of October 23rd, 2023. I'm your host, Paul Bayaki, ready to dig into all things sectors for the week ahead and look back at the week that was. And before I do either of those things, I just want to warn you, I'm dealing with a little bit of a head cold here. I'm hopped up on Mucinex. And so if I don't sound great, I apologize. I'm going to do my best to power through this. But we have a market to get to. And this was a very challenging week for the market. S&P 500 down 2.4% or 2.39% to be exact for the week, which brings the year-to-day gain down to 2.02%. And you look at what led the market this week. It was all of the stuff that's led the market higher this year, leading it lower. You had consumer discretionary down 4.58% for the week, largely led by one of its top holdings, specifically Tesla. You had technology down 2.8% and communication services down just 82%. But it was all the cyclical stuff that drag the market lower along with those headline sectors. You had XLB or materials down 3%. You had financials down 3%, industrials down 3%. So ultimately, there wasn't a lot of respite in the market. The only sectors that were positive this week were energy up 75 basis points and staples up 70 basis points. So 860 million or so shares traded across the select sector spider lineup, a very robust week on selling, which isn't necessarily a super bullish indicator, but there was a lot to digest this week. You had all of these Fed presidents and governors speaking in various venues this week. We talked about just how long that list was, including Mr. Powell and there was data, retail sales beat slightly 0.7 versus 0.3 for checking in on housing, home builder confidence missed, housing starts missed, existing home sales missed, building permits were higher than expected, but we had a textured view of housing and wasn't all that supportive of a strong economic backdrop or a strong consumer backdrop. We had the leading economic indicators, which were weaker than expected, and again, We've talked about the LEIs. They are, generally speaking, designed by the conference board to give some predictive measure of economic activity that is looking into the future. And we're now 11.2% off the 2021 peak for LEIs. We're currently 21 months off of the 2021 peak, and typically you get 10.6 months between the peak and the recession. There's a lot of economic dynamics that make it so that perhaps that lag between the peak and where we're at now is longer than it would have been historically, including Fed policy, including fiscal policy and other things that have been stimulative to the economy. But just to borrow from what Justina Zabinska LaMonica, senior manager, business cycle indicators of the conference board said in September, negative or flat contributions from nine of the index's 10 components more than offset fewer initial claims for unemployment insurance. Although the six month growth rate in the LEI is somewhat less negative and the recession signal did not sound, it still signals risk of economic weakness ahead. So far, the U.S. economy has shown considerable resilience despite pressure from rising interest rates and high inflation. Nonetheless, the conference board forecasts that this trend will not be sustained for much longer and a shallow recession is likely in the first half 
of 2024. So there you have it. The, the point of all of that is that we got economic data. None of it was the type of sort of headline economic data that tends to move the market. We didn't have payrolls. We didn't have CPI. We didn't even have a Fed decision. But getting back to all of those various Fed presidents and governors that spoke this week, it seemed like the market didn't really like what they had to say. And the tone seemed to be pretty consistent. It wasn't extremely hawkish. Even Mr. Powell said some of what the market's doing on the long end seems to be justifying the Fed pausing and continuing to hold rates where they're at. Now, that doesn't portend to necessarily a cut or a pivot, but it echoed what we heard from Kashkari. It echoed what we heard from other Fed presidents and governors this week, all of which seem to be at the very least, in somewhat of an agreement that we're going to hold rates here. We're not necessarily going to continue to raise rates. There was one Fed governor who said, hey, look, we need another rate hike this year. But for the most part, it seems to be the tone is let's hold here, see what impact it has on the economy and on inflation, and then determine which direction we need to go. Now, the market seems to anticipate that the direction will be cut at some point in 2024, but the language from these Fed presidents and governors this week certainly didn't signal that. It seemed to signal that rates are going to be higher for longer and that the level that we're at from a Fed funds rate is going to, at the very least, hold for the coming months. And that's something that the market tried to digest this week and didn't really like. So, we talked about the sector breakdown and which sectors led energy, of course, the best performing sector for the week, up 75 basis points. But from a flows perspective, we actually had 2.3 million net creates this week, nearly 9 million shares created in XLE. So that's a pretty big headline for the select sector spider lineup, given the recent strength of energy prices and, of course, the geopolitical backdrop, which tends to be supportive of higher energy prices. We also saw 5 million shares redeemed out of XLU, the biggest redeems for the week coming out of utilities, which is not a great surprise given the weakness we've seen there and some of the volatility we've seen in specific names in that sectors. But what was interesting this week from a creation redemption perspective is we had a lot of sort of chunky redemptions, chunky creations relative to what we see on a week-to-week basis. We saw more than 1 million shares redeemed out of XLV, XLP, XLF, XLI, and XLK. And we saw more than 1 million created in XLRE, XLC, XLB, and XLY. So typically we get muted creation redemption activity when it nets out on a rolling one-week basis. This week we actually saw some pretty significant stuff across the lineup from a creation redemption perspective, which netted to 2.3 million in, but that was largely due to that chunky creation activity we saw in energy. Now, the sector in focus this week is consumer staples, and I think it's a good time to talk about it because it had strong relative performance this week, as I mentioned, up 70 basis points for the week in a week in which the market was down more than 2%. But the consumer staples sector is, is just a fascinating segment of the economy with the economic backdrop that we're currently facing. As we've talked about previously, these companies are selling you the types of products that you don't typically buy more of when the economy runs hot or less of when the economy is not doing well. That's the name, consumer staples. It's toilet paper. It's toothpaste. And as a result, when inflation is ripping, as it has been at both 
the producer level and the consumer level or at the wholesale level, I should say, and the consumer level, that can be a very challenging economic environment for consumer staples companies because there's only so much they can do to raise prices in the face of that. They can shrink packaging as they've done. They can slightly increase prices. But the reality is, is that an economic environment where inflation is running hot and their input costs are rising dramatically is very challenging backdrop for consumer staples companies across the sector. But we're now seeing that wholesale inflation has come down more dramatically than consumer inflation and all else equal. That tends to be good for corporate margins and specifically for the consumer staple sector. Now, this is a plug for some of the research we run on sectorspiders.com. Ned Davis had a piece out this week looking at various views of valuations on the 11 gig sectors. And they looked at absolute valuations relative to history for each sector and basically came to the conclusion that every sector is expensive, more or less. But they also looked at relative valuations to the market and consumer staples actually came out best when you look at the relative valuation of consumer staples at every level. So price to earnings, dividend yield, price to book, price to cash flow, price to sales, and forward earnings estimates, it was the top-ranked, if you will, or bottom-ranked, if you're looking at it that way, sector in terms of its relative valuation of the market. As you would expect, consumer discretionary and technology came out as the most expensive on a relative basis based on those specific valuations that they looked at in the standard deviation from the mean valuation of the market in those given sectors. So Staples is in this place where we just heard from the conference board that they expect at the very least a shallow recession in 2024. And to the extent that one manifests, historically, it's been the defensive sectors of the market that have generated the best relative performance in recessionary environments. That's consumer staples, that's healthcare, and that's utilities. Now, We've talked about the challenges with utilities recently and some of the big names, specifically one big weighting in the portfolio that has been extremely volatile in the wrong direction as of late. Upside is consumer staples, which hasn't been one of the best performers so far in 2023, is on a relative valuation basis based on what Nate Davis laid out in their piece, which I urge you to go read on sectorspiders.com makes the case that consumer staples is at the very least potentially undervalued relative to the market, relative to historical market valuations. And of course, for investors who are concerned about a recession and are looking to turn the dial down of the risk on their portfolio, might consider consumer staples, considering again, historically, it's a sector that provides a unique economic function in a recessionary environment and the companies within it have historically provided strong relative performance in that recessionary backdrop. So with that, let's look ahead to next week. We've got a slew of economic data. We've got Case-Shiller. We've got new and pending home sales. So we're going to get more information on the state of the housing market and, of course, a read-through on the consumer as a result. We're going to get manufacturing and services PMIs. We're going to get a GDP print. And then we're going to get PCE, which is the Fed's favorite indicator of inflation. So we got a lot of economic data this week, including one that is very important in terms of a read-through to Fed policy. And the trajectory of inflation continues to be a very important 
economic dynamic that the market continues to watch closely and try to, of course, read the tea leaves of what it means and what the implications are for Fed policy beyond, of course, when Fed governors and presidents are out in the media in various venues talking about Fed policy and what their own individual expectations are for coming Fed meetings and coming Fed decisions. On the earnings front, we've got a, a ton of very big companies reporting. In fact, we've got 170 or so S&P 500 companies reporting this week alone. We're going to hear from Microsoft and Google. We're going to hear from Meta. We're going to hear from Amazon. So take those companies those four companies alone make up such a significant portion of the market and have been responsible for so much of the market's return year to date. We're also going to hear from Nextera, that utilities company that has had such a tough go of it and has brought so much volatility to the sector. We're going to hear from Coca-Cola, speaking of consumer staples, Visa and MasterCard, Chevron and Exxon, the two energy powerhouses, Lind, the largest weighting in the material sector, and then American Tower, a significant weighting in the real estate sector. So we're going to get a view of very important companies in a wide range of sectors, including some of the largest companies in the market. And so with the economic data that, that we get this week, with the earnings data that we get this week, expect a tremendous amount of market insights coming from all of that. And of course, another week in which we expect to see a tremendous amount of market action and volume as we saw the past week and as we've seen pretty consistently over the course of the past month or so. 860 million shares traded across the select sector spider lineup this week alone, which is a pretty robust week in terms of action. So with that, I'd like to thank everyone once again for joining me and for bearing with me as I try and power through this cold. Hope everyone has a wonderful week. This has been the Select Sector Spider Sector Digest podcast. Please visit sectorspiders.com. For all things sectors, tremendous amount of resources and research on that website. As always, take care.